0: My guest today is the creator of the YBF.com, one of the largest and most influential celebrity entertainment digital platforms. Please welcome Natasha Eubanks. (music) Natasha, how's it going?
1: Hello there. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, doing well. Hey, thank good. you for coming on here. Thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for
1: having me. This is exciting. Another po- I've never I don't do much of other people's podcasts, so I think this is really cool.
0: That's good. So you're on the other side today. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, you want to jump right in there?
1: Sure. Let's get it.
0: All right. So what do you do?
1: <laughs> oh gosh. Sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I don't do anything guys. I just sit here and I know nothing. I do nothing because when you're an entrepreneur, which I am, you often feel that way. You feel like things just like, you know, nothing some days. So I think the overarching category I would put myself in is an entrepreneur, I'm a businesswoman, And under that, of course, I started the YBF.com 15 years ago, and that's our pride and joy and the main thing that I do. But with that, it started off as just a blog, but I have made sure that it has evolved into more than just that. So now I'm also a podcast host because we now have a podcast for the platform. Now I'm our social media content creator and social media manager because we have four or five different social media platforms. Now I'm the face of the company, which I never wanted to do, but now you kind of have to do that. People buy into people before they buy into the brand, and I've learned that over the years, so Now I'm that person. So I'm multiple things under the business that I have and wearing all the hats. And if you're a content creator, you know that day in, day out, that's all you're doing. Looking for content, find content. As a quasi journalist, you're looking for stories, posting stories, managing employees, managing writers, being an editor as well. That's also my job as editor-in-chief. I'm also the writer. So I'm wearing a lot of hats. For this one company.
0: (laughs) Wow, it definitely seems so. So so you talk about the podcast, the social media platforms, the blogs, but for those who don't know, can you talk about the YBF and what exactly it is?
1: Sure. The YBF.com is something that I started 15 years ago because there was a lack of Black Hollywood focus in a positive way. I felt like there was tons of In Touch weeklies and People magazines and even blogs had just started at that time. So Perez Hilton had just started. Pink is the New Blog was like my favorite blog at that time. And he's now disbanded it years ago. And they were only talking about mainstream white celebrities. Every now and then you'll get a Jay-Z and Beyonce mention or something like that. And I've always been obsessed with celebritydom. And gossip and news and stuff like that. So I basically, after asking those people, hey, can you talk about anybody other than Jay-Z and Beyonce? And at the time, Ashanti and Nelly, do y'all remember when Ashanti and Nelly were together? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I got no response, obviously. And I was like, well, I'll just do it myself. So that's how I started the YBF.com, Young, Black, and Fabulous. And I named it that because I was obsessed with Kimora Simmons at the time. I was watching Life in the Fab Lane all the time. She's so fabulous to me. And I was like, oh, and she's a tourist like me. I'm like, oh, God, I want to do something fabulous-wise. And <laughs> And I also wanted to make sure we were catering to the people who were... At the time I was in college, um, I was actually finishing my last year. I went for four and a half years. So that last half semester. And I wanted to make sure we always catered to younger people because whether we like it or not, kids look up to celebrities, whether they're a sports athlete or a rapper or a singer or even a philanthropist, they're now becoming celebrities. I Wanted to make sure we were putting the right people in the spotlight. For the kids, whether you're in grammar school or middle school and even high school to look up to instead of just saying, stop looking up to celebrities. The issue is after I started it, I want to say about six months later, I figured out kids are in school all day. Mm. So if I'm writing a blog that I used to do like one post a day, just really super long with a million stories I could find. They're not reading that. They might not even have a computer. This is 15 years ago. So I kind of had to pivot, but not really. So it's still called Young, Black and Fabulous because everybody's young at heart and young is relative, you know? And we want to make sure we're still like talking about and scoping out who's fresh and who's new. Who's the fresh face? Who should we be following? Who's the newest face on the scene? What's the newest, hottest thing on the scene in the culture? And also expanding to a pop culture because now Blackness is pop culture, expanding more into that and not just Hollywood focus, it's more of pop culture and Black culture focused. So bringing in news and bringing in culture news of the day and stuff like that. So that's how IBF started and now what it's grown into. And so, yes, we used to be a lot more salacious and a lot more, let's talk about who's dating who, who's breaking up with who and We were the site that broke the story about Alicia Swiss Beats' relationship while he was married. We used to do stuff like that. And we still do to a certain extent, but we've grown and evolved a lot from that. So it was like, okay, but what's next? So now we want to interview the celebs themselves. Now we want to talk about what their projects are, which we always wanted to do. But I want that to be more of the focus with a little bit of the... I call it like giving people vegetables with the dessert. So throwing in the fun stuff and... The salaciousness and like who's getting arrested because somebody arrested every day. Mm. People still want to know that. But we also want to show, look, like Gabrielle Union now has her own production company. and She's starring in two movies. We didn't have anything like that 15 years ago. The trades weren't talking about Black Hollywood and Black celebrities like that. So we want to make sure they're spotlighted just as bad as we talk about them, we want to also talk about the good. And we also want to hear it from their mouths a lot too. So that's why I start the podcast and we do a lot of interviews and we're on the red carpet and we're doing all those things. So yeah, that's what it is. An encompassing view on multiple digital platforms of what Black Hollywood, Black culture and pop culture is every single second of the day.
0: Nice. Okay. Now, I see what inspired you. And you were in school. So that's incredible that you were doing it while you were in school. But mm-hmm. this was 15 years ago. How were you able to start it, though? This seems like at that time, it would be kind of hard to get all the information that you need, the gossip that you need. How, how were you able to start this and get yeah. it rolling?
1: So back then, I personally did not know if something was new or not. So I would just Google, I'm a research fiend. Like I want to know everything I am looking up everything if I don't know something I'm gonna find out and I'm gonna figure it out for myself all the time like to to a fault. like I'm just very nosy so I did that a lot all day when I wasn't in class (laughs) or when I wasn't doing something else and things weren't necessarily and I said people magazine earlier because they had just come online at they were purely just a print magazine so they were in the process of putting their stories also online so I would go to their website which used to literally be a like a one page situation in just text and I used to read through that like scour through it for Mm. black people Mm. you know whatever black people were doing if I saw images pop up what are these images I didn't know anything about paparazzi. I didn't understand how paparazzi worked. I read the tabloids, I saw the paparazzi images, but I didn't know how they got there. So when I started to find them online and started to see paparazzi databases and start to see photographers' websites, I'm like, "Oh, there's a whole plethora of these things." Let me grab this picture. Let me grab. And these are things that mainstream media were not posting or not talking about. Right. So when we would post pictures of Ashanti and Nelly on the beach. People were like, wait, 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 wait. We know Shanti and Nelly are dating because we read Jet Magazine, which was three or four months behind the ball, but we didn't know they were vacationing in Bali or something (laughs) like that. Like it just brought a whole nother element to it. And I just was throwing everything up on the site. Now, again, this was 15 years ago before copyright law and trademark law caught up to the internet. So it was a gray area about what was fair use and what wasn't. And you know, I was a poli sci major. I was waiting on law school to start, and so I always was also looking at that legal aspect too. Like, can I do this? I wasn't necessarily banned from doing it, but it wasn't also necessarily told that you can. Right. I took that chance and just did it. Um, and (laughs) I paid for it later. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Literally, but I did it, and I knew that there was a void because I'm a black girl. I love celebrity gossip. I can't be the only black girl out here that's looking for news so i think that once people figured it out i used to like email every day i would email my whole yahoo and hotmail email mm-hmm. all my contacts in yahoo and hotmail and be like hey guys i start this website come look at it people are like girl what is this mm-hmm. and so i think it just when people start to see those things on there that they didn't know they really wanted they were like, wait, what is this? And then they start to share it with their friends and they start to share it with their friends. And people start to send me information. Like my sister, baby cousin, Tracy <laughs> was partying with so-and-so. Girl, this is what happened. So I started to get tips from people. That's and great. when I say it was purely word of mouth, purely word of mouth, there was no such thing as advertising your site or branding that it didn't really exist yet. So that's what I did. And it just grew by word of mouth. Certain DJs on the radio also helped a lot because, and still to this day, a lot of radio hosts incorporate news and in, in the hottest story of the day at that moment into their show. And so DJs would start to read my site and use my site as their reference point oh, because wow. they didn't have Black media online to go to. They had Jet Magazine. They had Essence. And what? Those used to be three to four months behind. Right. So. This was the only thing like it in its space, in the digital space. We were the first and only Black-focused digital media property for Black celebrity culture at that time. So, and it took another year or two for other people to start doing the same, but we were the only ones. So I think that it just was good timing and people catching on to it because there was nothing else like it. And therefore- people sending me information, the site and the, and the brand growing because of that. And then DJs start to like me out on their websites or their shows. And it just, it just started to grow. Certain celebs would start sending me things. I used to take donations on the site and certain celebs used to send in donations. And I think when people saw that, they were like, Oh my gosh, let (laughs) me go on this site that so-and-so just donated That's really cool. And it was before Twitter. It was before Facebook. Actually, I take that back. Facebook had just started, but it was only for college people Mm -hmm. at that time, if you remember that. Right. So it wasn't like this mass amount of people on Facebook yet, but Twitter wasn't there. Instagram wasn't there. So it was literally word of mouth and celebs saying what they said in their own way, whether they were on a red carpet somewhere or They left a comment on the site and people sending and sharing articles. So it just became, I don't know, an obsession for me. Um, I just had to figure out, okay, what's the news of the day? What's this? What's that? I also would watch all the shows. So I would watch Extra. I would watch The Insider. I would watch 60 Minutes even. Like I would just watch anything I could to kind of garner the small little nuggets of blackness mm. that they would sprinkle in there and I would just extrapolate those things and use them on my site nice and, and also give my opinion
0: yeah oh, all right it's awesome that is great that's great and, and relay that information to everyone that needed it that you were in all that platform for everyone to get that so that's great right. and, you and it mentioned- was a
1: free website it wasn't mm-hmm. It wasn't, I didn't pay for anything. So I didn't know if you meant like, how did you start this Oh yeah, monetarily? But monetarily, there was no money to be spent. I used a free website called Blogger. I don't even know if it's still around. And I learned the basics of coding. Like I just taught myself the basics of coding so I can know how to even put those things onto a blog. I looked at what the page source code of what, Pink is a new blog and Perez Hilton were doing, and even People Magazine. I looked at the page source code and I'm like, okay, this line clearly does this for this. This line does this for this. So I would just all day, I would just have two like screens up comparing everything. And I figured out what controlled what. And I created that on my end. There was nobody for me to talk to and figure out how to do that. I, I don't know. I just had to figure it out myself. So I didn't even have my own computer. I was using the school computer lab and I was using my boyfriend at the time, his computer. Mm. And that's it.
0: Wow. That's a true entrepreneur, An entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit and intelligence and just went at it. And I love it. Now you mentioned these celebrities and growing. So I know at one point you were on Big Boy Neighborhood. Is that right? Yes. How was that?
1: Oh my God, that was amazing. (laughs)
0: It's
1: funny because I had always wanted to do radio, but I Mm -hmm. never, why on earth would I be doing radio? I was going to school to go first to be a veterinarian and then go to law school. Like it was not, this was not a path that was for me. So when he called me up one day, I want to say like maybe, oh God, what year was that? Several years into this, but he called me up and he's like, look, my wife is obsessed with your Mm site. This is what all means." By the way, my wife loves your say, <laughs> and she thinks that I should have you on my show as like a correspondent. And I'm like, what? And I was gonna do this like no matter what. I didn't know that there was payment attached to. So he's like, okay, well here's the contract. Here's how much you will get paid. I'm like, I'm sorry, get paid to talk mess about celebs on the radio on a national radio show. Let's do this. And I'd never done radio before a day in my life. So (laughs) I, to this day, I'm still cool with Big Boy. I'm still cool with Jason, the Uh, producer there. I credit them with literally teaching me the ropes. Radio is an art form, okay? Like, I had no idea. It is an art form. And I'd never had training for that. And it was just on-the-job training for me. And every day, they were teaching me how to speak. If you're on radio, one of the biggest things I learned from there is from Big Boy actually, is I'm kind of a closed off person personally. I like to talk about things and about other people, but keeping myself private was very intentional. And so I was kind of doing that on the radio. And he was like, when you're doing radio, you cannot do that. Because if you think about it, one sense is removed from people. So they can't see you. They can hear you. They can kind of feel your vibe. I mean, not just one sense, they can't smell you, but one of their main senses is gone. They can't right. see. So you have to kind of be over the top with the sense that they can feel. So they need to feel you more and they need to hear you more. And you have to paint a picture brighter because they can't see you. And so I'm like, oh, I don't think anybody cared about my life or cared about incorporating my personal life into this or how i really thought about things i thought i was just there to like read off the paper (laughs) because i got the segment i I mean not produce produce a segment but i got to create every story that i wanted to talk about it was a hundred percent up to me every morning at 4 a.m they called me because child it was big boy works his ass off Hmm. so he worked basically two shifts super early in the morning when he aired on the east coast and then later on in the afternoon and i did top of the hour every hour for both shifts. So I was up at four or five in the morning every single morning. And every morning it was, what are the stories we're doing today? And they had to be short, concise, and very put together immediately. And I had to learn that it's not just reading it off of a paper. You have to paint the picture. You have to talk about what you think about it. If you went to the club that night or the night before and you were partying with like 50 Cent and it was his premiere for something, If that's the story you're talking about, talk about what you wore, what you drank when you went there. Did you see 50? Who else did you run into? Like bring your life into it and paint the picture. So that was something that was a little hard for me to learn, but I learned it and I saw what they meant by that. So that was a really important lesson for me that I carry on now. I did Ricky Smiley for a few times. I've done radio several times after that and it just helped me so much. So I did that for four years
0: all right well that's great advice from him and it seems like he was sort of a mentor for you
1: definitely okay. so and every great. time i flew out to la it was just we would do in studio which is amazing mm-hmm. and go out to eat after you know spend time and to this day we are in constant contact oh, that's so great. it's they're amazing that's great
0: now you also had your first national television appearance on the real so can was you? Was
1: that it? Yeah.
0: So can you talk about that? Just talk about when you found out you're going to be on there, how it was being on there, and were you nervous? Just everything about that Your first. Um, by the time
1: movie. I had done the real, I had already done TV several times.
0: Oh, okay. Just...
1: But not not on that level. I was living in DC, and before I moved to. In New York area and I would do local news shows. So they would call me in to do entertainment portions of the news, or it would be, I don't know, just, just random, more local or regional things or digital only. And I did BET a few things where they do those talking head shows. I've done those, but it wasn't like a sit down. This is only Natasha. And she's literally on a panel talking amongst women on a nationally syndicated show, Mm. on network TV. So I think that I had a lot of experience before I got there. So was I nervous? Hell yeah, I'm nervous before I do anything. But I wasn't just completely green to it. So that was helpful. I had also tested for The Real to be on the show as an actual host. And I didn't... That's a long story, but I didn't even know that that's what I was doing because that's not really my world. But at that time, when this site was really blowing up years ago, I was getting calls from producers and people that were create like show creators when they were creating shows like The Real and they were like, we want you to come and audition for this thing. And I'm like, audition for what? Like, what is this? And I didn't know what a chemistry test was. I didn't know that even meant audition. And so I went to, they flew me to LA, put me up in a hotel, did all these amazing things. I wasn't getting hair and makeup. I didn't even have an outfit. I thought that you literally went to somebody's office and just sat down and had a discussion. Mm -hmm. And one of my friends in this business, she's a publicist. She's been in this business for over 20 years and she's a very highly respected publicist. She's one of the first people that reached out to me that kind of like, made me feel like, oh, people are actually reading this Mm. for her to know about this. And she brought me to New York and she's like, I want to talk to you about this business because it's about to get real. So she's still my big sister to this day. So I called her and I was like, I'm in LA for a chemistry test. What is that? Mm. Who's doing your hair and makeup? What are you wearing? What's going like? She had to break down everything for me because I had no idea. So I went into that chemistry for the real very green. Now that I was very green for it's very psychological. It's it's an all-day, two-, three-day situation, eight to 12 hours of you just rotating and basically doing the show a million times with a million different people. Oh, wow. So it was a good 200 people, like, that tried out for this show. And so I'm sitting in a room, little old me, who's not an actress, who's not anything, and I'm in this room with, like, Tisha Campbell and Tamar and everybody that, made the, that was on the show, I... Audition with them at some point. So all of them, plus I mean every black woman in this business, audition for that. And I'm just sitting there like, why am I here? Who made this mistake? It got into my head. I, it was just, and I knew that everybody was asking like, who is this girl? Nobody knew who I was because I wasn't showing my face. You know, mm-hmm. with the site, I was just talking and typing. So it was a really weird experience. Obviously, I didn't get. I wasn't even expecting to get. The co-host gig. But before I left, they asked me to come to the Warner Brothers office. <laughs> and I'm like, Am I in trouble? Like, what's going on? Did I do horribly? What is happening? I go to the Warner Brothers office. By the way, it's like Ellen DeGeneres' stuff is all out in the front. It's like a million Emmys up there. I just knew I was out of my league. So I went there and I'm like, so I know I disappointed y'all and wasted y'all time and money. I am so sorry. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And they were like, no, you did exactly what we wanted you to do. And therefore, we want you to be a correspondent. And I'm like, what? So it really was just a test of, like I said, a psychological test. It was a test to see how celebs reacted to me if I walked into a room. And if I could get along with people being legit the of very much an outsider, right. and could people warm up to me? Can I create conversations? Am I cool with people? That's my for- like. I can talk to anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, I was scared that they were going to hate me, but I was friends with everybody by the time I left. And they were like, "That's what we wanted to see." And so we want you to come every now and then and do segments for us and be like our go-to blogger and like that i'm like what so that's what happened did that for i mean i do that I've, I've done that many times and i haven't i think the last time i went was last year so yeah or the year before can't remember maybe last year
0: so yeah that is awesome that's great good story too <laughs> <laughs> so now now your, your site and your social media platforms and how much time does it take for you to run this and do the research and yeah. you, you, you talked about uh, the hats you wear but just how much time does it take to, to run these sites
1: it's a full-time situation. So 24 hours. (laughs) And one of my goals is to hire someone that can be an overnight writer, maybe somebody that works in the UK. I want that to happen at some point because I can't be up all night. I don't want my team up all night. And we just always have to be paying attention to breaking news overnight. So if my phone starts really going off, if I'm asleep, then I know something big has happened. So I'll wake up and handle it. But it's It's a nonstop job, nonstop. And that is one of the reasons why I'm trying to phase myself out of the day-to-day so that I can grow the site from the outside and do more things to improve our brand and to grow our brand. I can't do this constant day-to-day, 24 hours a day situation, constant research, always looking to see what's happening on Twitter, looking to see what the breaking stories are. You probably know that the news cycle has even from 15 years ago it has just tremendously changed and it's a 24 hour news cycle truly and there's a million stories every day where it used to only be one maybe two so it's it's becoming a lot and in order to grow your business a business like this you can't be in the midst of it every single day you have to have brain energy and just physical energy emotional energy saved up to do the business side. You can't be bogged down by the constant writing and editing and (sighs) legalities and how to say this and how to say that. Having PC about things, having to research stories that are brought to you. We now are sued for every little thing, so we can't get away with murder like we used to. So it's a lot of mental work. I know from the outside looking in, and I always say to people, what you all see is 10% of what we do. The rest of it, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot going on behind the scenes for us to get certain things up. But it's also, we can move quickly because my team has been with me for several years. So we know how to spot a fake story. We know how to spot fake things. Like it just becomes inherent to you. But when we bring in new people, I see, I'm like, oh, Lord, it took them six hours to figure this out. Lord, this is not gonna work. And we're used to being able to figure it out in 30 minutes. But I see that that's just, that's how we used to be. And it's just going to take them time to get to the place that we are. So even though it doesn't take us a long time for a piece of what we do, that's because we've put in the hours and the years to become more of an expert in what we're doing. But Joe Blow Off the Street that comes in day one, you're not going to be able to do it as quickly as us. But we also are still doing a million things every day.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now you touched on this earlier, but when working with celebrity pop culture and also striving to elevate like celebrities, how do you balance between highlighting the Hollywood drama without also perpetuating that negative stereotype? How does that work?
1: Um, This is when I say you have to evaluate why you're doing what you're doing and the reasoning why you're doing what you're doing. If you're only getting into creating a content hub to make money, your values are not going to be existent or existing in the space that you're working in. There needs to be a bigger reason why you're doing what you're doing. So I've always had my bigger reason and that's to put black Hollywood and black culture on a pedestal. And does that come with some negativity? Absolutely. But do I know that my overarching reason for what I'm doing is to put us on a pedestal and to shine the light on us when no one else will, even to this day? Yeah. So I think that just knowing that about myself and everybody that I bring in that works with us has to have that same exact belief system and mm-hmm. same exact uh, goal. Then there's just certain things that you're automatically going to say, you're automatically going to check yourself like, eh, we're going to pass on that. There's a lot of things we don't post because it just, for the bigger picture, it's not worth it. All it's right. not worth burning a bridge. It's not worth, um, killing a career. It's just not worth it. Whereas sometimes we're like, hey, this is extremely newsworthy and we would be doing a disservice to our readers if we didn't do it. It really is just about your value system. Unfortunately, a lot of people in this business don't have one and that's sad. But if you have a value system, you're kind of going to regulate yourself automatically and also with time, with experience, you're going to learn it. Like We've definitely held off on stories before and Helped out celebs. Celebs hit us up like, hey, I know you saw this story. Can you just not run it? I don't take orders from anybody. We do what the hell we want to do. But if it's someone we have a relationship with and they have given us things in the past, they've given us exclusives, they've come directly to us and not other people. We've established a rapport. They've come on the podcast. They establish our new or they support our new ventures. We do weigh what they're asking us. And they don't tip. They don't do that a lot. So I'm like, oh, if this person hit us up asking us not to post something, they never do that, and they've been so supportive, let me be good, and let me cut them some slack this time. But on the flip side, if we do end up cutting someone some slack for a reason, and we notice that they never return the favor in any way, shape, or form, that they're running straight to white media to go give them exclusives every other day, all bets are off. And that's where the business hat has to come in. I used to get really personally hurt by stuff like that. And now I'm just like, listen, it is what it is. If I know every exclusive you do, when you have a baby shoot or maternity shoot, or you're engaged and you have news you want to put out there. If I see that you only run to TMZ or people and you never go to a black media entity, let alone us, I'm not going to continue to pick and choose what I say about you. Because you're not putting us first either. This is a two-way street. So I've learned to become a little bit more business minded when it comes to that. And it, a lot of times they have the audacity to hit us back up. Like, I can't believe that y'all of all people, y'all are supposed to be like the people with the higher echelon of respect and la da da. Oh, really? Well, I can't believe that you ran to X, Y, and Z to give them all this news. I can't believe you didn't challenge People Magazine about running the story that they ran. And then you still go to them for other things when they run stories like that. So there's a lot of double standards in Hollywood when it comes to black media and black celebs and white media. There's a lot of double standards and we're starting to call it out now. So it does change what we say no to and what we say yes to depending upon the relationship with the person, but also just depending upon how we feel about it. Hmm. But again, yes, there's a lot of stories we sit on and there's some stories we're like, hmm, this person needs to not be in a position of power. Right. This person needs to not, be on a pedestal so anything that proves that they do not need to be on this pedestal we're running that story because I want you all to see how horrible of a person this is
0: got it got it all right makes sense like it now you mentioned some of the changes over the years with all these new apps and ways to promote yourself and your brand can you talk about some interesting or innovative changes happening in the media or entertainment industry
1: yeah I mean day there's a new technology and there's a new apps especially social media I think that's been the biggest overall change in the last 15 years is the introduction of social media being a go-to platform for public figures themselves as well as media Mm. and brands so that's been the biggest overarching change but under that it's the type of social media so Instagram is used in a certain way by all the people I just named Facebook is used in a certain way, Facebook ads. So the way that we advertise now is very different than it was 15 years ago. We never advertised, I never spent a dollar or a dime on advertising until this past year. And that was weird for me. Mm. And I had a Facebook ad course for our whole entire team. I paid for a whole team for our team because I'm a true believer in, you can always hire people to do things, but you have to know the basics yourself. And you have to invest in that. So I paid for all of us to have a Facebook training so that we can know how to create our own ads. We know how to do A-B testing. We know how to figure things out, what works for us, what doesn't work for us. Leveraging our platform has become a little bit, I think for everybody, leveraging your platform has become a little bit easier because now there are multiple ways to do so thanks to technology. The hard part is, okay, but how? How do you make it work for you? Yes, Facebook ads are here for the world, but how do you use them? That's going to be different for every entity. So things like that have definitely changed the game for everybody, I think, especially media. 15 years ago, people thought it was crazy that I didn't have a print magazine or a print newspaper or a brick and mortar business. I've just never had that. I never saw the need. I always knew that this is the direction we were going in. I didn't know why nobody else thought this. Mm-hmm. And so we used to not get respect. You know, it used to be, who's this random person, like this random blogger, like these stupid, these stupid internet businesses. Mm. Like they used to think the internet was, the, was a fad mm. and especially a business built on the internet. And now look at what COVID proved. Yeah. If you do not have a website presence or, or a digital presence, your business go under. Right. And I thought that was the case beforehand. I had no idea how many established businesses did not have a digital presence and they're suffering because of it. So that's clearly one of the biggest changes. People not using the social media and the digital technology that has evolved over time, not using it to their advantage. And I'm looking at companies that are like Fortune 500 companies or Fortune 100 companies even and not having a website, not having... Well, Fortune 500 company will have a website, but not having a clear voice on, say, Twitter or a clear voice on Instagram, a clear voice even in podcasting or or all these other digital spaces. And it's like you have every resource in the world. Like, why are y'all not doing this? People can be slow sometimes. So I think that this whole COVID situation has proven what we've been saying this whole time, that this is the future. Even after if COVID was completely gone next month, there have been so many things that have changed yeah. that people now see, ooh, we might not need that $10,000 a month building commercial, commercial rent. We might not need it. Maybe we can downsize and just have a couple of people come into an office for $1,000 a month and everybody can work from home. I think that this has shown people how to save money and how to leverage what they already have. And now it's just a race for who can do it best.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. I think that things will definitely change going forward and you'll see people thinking outside the box a lot mm-hmm. more and not just people, organizations, like you said, large companies thinking outside the box a yeah. lot more going forward. So yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: And, you know, and people learning about technology, that's changed. Mm-hmm. There used to be, I mean, there still is a discrepancy and an imbalance and, and who has access to technology and who has access to digital growth and digital spaces. There used to be a huge barrier there. If it wasn't for blogger, I would have never started this because I didn't have the capital or the know how to go ask somebody to create a website for me. So I think that with the creation of certain things that have made a lot of things easier. So Squarespace, you can now whip up a website so easily. And for like, what, $5 a month? So that barrier of money and time and knowledge has now been removed for the most part. Our phones now, like, I mean, iPhone is what, $1,500. And I think people are looking at like, who pays $1,500 for a phone? Think about it. It's a small computer.
0: It is, yep.
1: And everybody in that grandma has it. I don't care if you're on section eight or if you live in a mansion, you have a phone mm-hmm. and you can now use it regardless if you have money for anything else in order to start a business and grow a business with free apps on your phone. So those type of actual tangible developments in technology have definitely changed the game and lowered the access to technology developments and business and technology.
0: Yeah, no, definitely less barriers to entry for this. And it's amazing. Like you said, that blogger site, you were able to create this without paying anything. And then I think you said you didn't pay for any ads until last year and you were able to grow the business the way you did. That is amazing. Congrats on that. That is (laughs) awesome.
1: (laughs) And just to speak to that, I'm not saying that that was a hundred percent the right thing to do because I'm looking, I'm looking back at things. I'm like, we could have been a lot further along had I utilized advertising in some way. Maybe we could have been. So I think that learning when to take that next step for your business is super important. I never saw the need. I see it now, but I never saw the need before. And we might be behind because of it, but something to always look out for if you're an entrepreneur.
0: Yeah. Now, talking about that, being an entrepreneur, what advice do you have for others who are interested in a career in entertainment media?
1: Know your why. Why are you doing this? Don't get into this because you're trying to meet celebs. I actually stopped taking interns for years because that was always their reasoning for applying. Well, I see that y'all are on the red carpet at the MTV VMAs and I want to be one of your correspondents. <laughs> Stop right there because you in turn would never step foot on the red carpet on behalf of the YBF.com. Are y'all crazy? Like what do y'all think that you just pick up a mic? And you just go kiki and chop. So like, and that's what I mean by things look one way, things look easy. No, they're not. Those people that are on the red carpet have been doing this for years. A lot of them went to school for this, or they have perfected their craft by researching and teaching themselves and taking classes and taking improv classes, doing things like that. This is not a game. You don't just shove a mic in somebody's face and they just start talking. And they learn it really quickly. If I have them do an interview, and I'll say, you know, okay, I'll be a new intern, and I'm gonna sign this interview that I don't want to do with some up and coming artist. Let me see what they do with it. They freeze as soon as they get on the phone. Um, what is your favorite color? Get off the phone. Get off the phone. <laughs> and I think that people like figure out that interviewing radio, red carpet hosting, all of these things that where you have to interact and be a personality, but also know your ish, like you have to know what you're talking about. Those things, you have to make it look very easy and make it look seamless and easy, but it ain't. There's a lot of work you have to do first behind the scenes. You have to also be able to keep up with everything, no matter what. Whether you have an interview with Swiss Beats tomorrow or not, you better know every single day what Swiss Beats got going on because what if somebody calls you from his team like, yo, we just decide that we want to talk to a smaller outlet and he can only do it today at six. Mm-hmm. What you going to do? Oh, let me go figure out what Swiss Beats has been doing for the last two years in the next one hour. Your interview is going to suck. Mm-hmm. So, so it's one of those things where it's an industry where you have to keep up on your own no matter what it's not about oh i'm doing it for something but it shouldn't be a job either like if you if you feel like oh god i have to go read to see what's happening on twitter right now or i have to go see like what is the status of A carter's relationship today like if you have if you just dread doing that this ain't the place for you it's second nature for me like i do that Breakfast. Like, I know what everybody's doing at all times. If it's two in the morning, I know the latest of what just happened an hour ago. I do because I'm nosy by by nature. So, yeah, if it's not something that comes natural to you, media particularly, it's not for you. It's too much work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of thankless work. And it takes a lot of physical stuff out of you because you, you have to actually attend events, be seen, you have to be on the scene in order for people to keep inviting you back. and invite you to the bigger things that matter but just because you went to this big event that essence hosted or that stars hosted and you stayed at that party until 5 a.m trust and believe by 8 a.m the event host and the producers of the show who are in charge of getting media to talk about things will be hitting you up at 8 a.m like so when is your story running Mm -hmm. is it gonna run at 10 a.m or 11 a.m So if that's not something that comes easily to you, it's not just about partying. You got to party and be working at the same time all the time. And if that's not going to work for you, then this isn't the business for you.
0: Wow. Interesting. All right. But if you
1: have a, a big reasoning for people that you want to put on and mission and a value that you want to blow up, it's something that you're really pushing for. Do this. Media is the perfect place for that, but you have to have a value that you're doing this for.
0: All right. Okay. And then on the political side, this year you launched a political vertical, So
1: yes,
0: which is very needed and great. <laughs> so can you talk about that?
1: Oh my gosh, it's my mm. baby. <laughs> and it's funny because 15 years ago, I was in law school and that was my passion. And it still kind of is, but the reasoning why I went to law school is because I wanted to be a lobbyist and I just didn't know what I wanted to lobby for. So that's why I didn't go to grad school for that. But I knew that the lobbying field needed lawyers, so I went to law school. And I've always been really a big proponent of politics and using politics to your advantage. Understanding the system of government so that you can get whatever you're trying to get done, use that to get it done. So I love it. Like in high school, I love government. That was always what I made A's in. I don't know why I didn't major in that. I don't know. I was trying to be a veterinarian. I don't know. And so pretty much I damn near failed organic chemistry and realized really quickly where my passion lied and it's with political science. So I graduated with a poli sci degree and ended up doing this, left law school because this had taken off and I'm doing this. And I always in the back of my head, I'm like, did I make the right decision? Like, should I go back? What should I do? I don't know. I hated law school, to be honest. I also think there were a lot of other factors affecting that. So I don't know. Sometimes it just felt like, did I waste my time? Did I waste my time doing government and politics and all that stuff? So when this opportunity came up, when the Joe Biden campaign hit us up and asked us to be one of two Black media partners, it's like, wow, me launching this the month before was perfect timing. I just noticed that with this election and with all elections, people don't know things They don't know. So I don't know if you how much you remember from civics class, but people don't know. They have a lot of passion. They're mad about a lot of stuff, but they don't know what to do about it. They don't know the basics of government. So I said, let me put my two passions together and make it happen and talk about it.
0: That is great. Like I said, this is very much needed. So I'm glad about that. That's really good. Thank you. (laughs) So now, I know you talked about all the different hats you wear in the 24 hour that uh, you, you say yeah. you, you do a day, but can you talk about just what a typical day of yours looks like?
1: Oh, <laughs> depending upon what time I went to bed, <laughs> <Wake up. laughs> I have my team start at 8 a.m. So I'm up at 7. And if you are a business owner or a manager or a supervisor, you need to be up before your team, have some moments to yourself, get their stuff together, like whatever you're going to assign for that day, so that when they sign on at 8 a.m., they hit the ground running. So that's what I'm doing. I'm up by seven, doing a content plan, looking to see what broke overnight while I was asleep for them two, three hours, and putting together a list of what we're going to post that day, what needs to be researched, who needs to do what, what meetings do I have? If we have an event that night, how are we going to cover the MTV Awards, especially during COVID? Just figuring out how we're going to do things. My writers are posting the actual stories. I'm posting sometimes, but I'm editing everything. Nothing gets posted without me looking at it or my right hand looking at it. And so we used to do like 15 stories a day. So we're probably going to get back to that really soon. So it just takes a lot of time. But mainly just posting stories, researching. We have about 100 sites we go to every single day to see what's being posted, like interviews and breaking news, people's social media celebs like to post anything and everything on social media i don't know why so we're following everyone and we're seeing what they're posting Um, now with tiktok we're looking at all the tiktoks we're looking at all the reels we're looking at instagram facebook twitter now we're on clubhouse it's too much (laughs) but yeah So that's our full day is just a revolving door of What's the breaking story or what's the story that needs to be up and what do we need to do to get it there? I mean, if there's an event that night, we're working again till one, two in the morning to cover VMAs or BET awards or whatever.
0: Okay. Wow. Clubhouse. I don't even know what that is. Okay.
1: You haven't <laughs> heard of Clubhouse yet? I well, it's have like new, it's,
0: it's the new, new thing. Oh, okay. It's a new thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. You have to have an invite. You have to be invited and it's just, it's a lot.
0: Mm. All right. Check that out. So now what <laughs> What about skills and characteristics? What, what type of skills and characteristics would you say are important to be successful in what you do?
1: Ambition, dedication, never stopping. Everyone knows entrepreneurs are like, that's probably the hardest question. Every day I'm like, I want to just quit and go work at Wendy's. I'm over it. I'm <laughs> over it. You just have more stability working at Wendy's. You do You do not have to worry about nothing. You come home from work and you get to just chill. You get to sit down. You don't have to worry about nothing and no one. But when you're an entrepreneur, you do not have that because you only eat if you create something to get money from. That's the only way that you can survive. So you're just in a constant work mode until you physically like literally tell yourself to turn it off for a couple of hours and you have to be okay with that. If you're okay with that, then this is for you. If not, this ain't for you. (laughs) But yeah, just being able to be a self driver. Nobody's going to come and tell you to do your work today. Nobody's going to tell you how to do it. Nobody's going to give you a list of your to-do list for the day. You have to plan that and not just your to-do list, but your get to the next place and get to the next level list. It's a hundred percent on you. So if you can't create this, and maybe this isn't for you, but it's something that just—it's it, in my mind. I have dreams about it. It never leaves my mind. It hasn't left my mind in fifteen years. So I think it's just naturally who I am. Always trying to get to the next place, and that's a good and bad thing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, just knowing your story, these skill sets definitely embody you. You're, you're definitely proactive, ambitious, dedicated. Based on all that you've done to build this and get to where it is right now so that's awesome no you're welcome and what about what do you love about what you do
1: being able to influence people and actually interact with people and I think Instagram has helped so much with that for us again like I said I used to pull myself out of this site and I used to be extremely private it used to just be we talk about celebs and that's it I'm not bringing my life into this. I took myself out of this because it got catty. It got weird. People like to find information. Like all of a sudden now they're treating you like the celebrity, <laughs> you know? And it's like, no, I'm the one. I'm on y'all side. I'm, yeah. I'm a chick on the street that want to know Beyonce too. Why do I have to look like Beyonce in order to talk about Beyonce? Like, why do you need to know about my life in order for us to talk about her? What are y'all talking about? But that's kind of how things are. People want to know who it is that they're, reading who it is that they're talking to every day because our site pretty conversational as well so instagram has given us that way to do that and it proves to me every single day that we are in tune with our readers and i love that you know whenever we post certain things they know why we post we can say one sentence and there's a reason why we said whatever we said we said it And everybody in the comments is like, you know what y'all did with that sentence. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ha ha, like people, unless you follow us, you wouldn't know it. Unless you've been reading the site for years, you wouldn't know it. But we shade people a lot. And people, unless you are with us, you do not know it. So I love the fact that it's like, I have my girlfriends that I talk to all day. These people are the same people. We could just say one thing and they just take it and run with it. And it's hilarious to me. It's like, we're all on one accord here. So it's a great, I love the fact that we have a way to stay connected with Mm -hmm. our readers and make sure that we're always on the same page as them, that we're never, I mean, I think any business owner wants to make sure their clients or their, their clientele or their consumers are still there with them. They still know who they are. So I like the fact that I can ascertain that very easily and I can kind of see what they love. And I get to talk about things that a lot of people don't care about. So I'm a TV head. I love TV. So if there's a new show that started with only one black cast member, but I love it. And I think this cast member is the next big thing. And it's like, oh, I now have a platform that I can talk about that on you know, I can now promote and create a star if I want to. Mm-hmm. So there's been plenty of like models or actors that got big because we did a feature on them. Right. So I love that. That's exactly why I started this site. So, um, yeah.
0: Love it. Okay. Now, what about the flip side? I know you mentioned some of the legal issues or being sued yeah. or COVID or things of that nature. But what type of challenges are out there for you? What keeps you up at night?
1: Being sued all the dog on time. <laughs> Lord. And I've had to learn over the years that that is part of business. You legit need to have a I'm getting fund like I'm getting sued. Bank account. Just have a legal fund over there on the side. I never knew that that would be needed, but I've gotten sued by strippers, celebs, photographers nonstop. Like, I mean, you know, oh, yeah, because people use lawsuits as money grabs. Oh, true, true. And so they're like, oh, this person posted my picture, which is sometimes copyright and sometimes not. Right. Sometimes they follow trademark. Sometimes they don't and just lie about it. This person posted my picture without permission. I own the license to it. Therefore, they're infringing on the copyright. So let me send a lawsuit. That's like a big thing in this business. People just throw it at the wall. They'll send out the same lawsuit to 500 sites who posted a picture and see who responds. Um, and they'll say, oh, now you owe me 25K for posting this one picture. From 10 years ago, like, stop it. But that's what happens. These are, this is how people make their money sometimes. Um, So things like that, we've had to learn over the years and keep up with the law. I have six lawyers, I have to keep up with this. Um, Keep up with the law that says what you can and can't do as a journalist and what you can and can't post online. It's still kind of a gray area, but it's gotten more defined over the years. So that's been a very frustrating point of the legalities of this so I don't like that I can't just be free and talk my stuff like I want to talk now I have to watch what I say I don't like that (laughs) and I think just it's been 10 years and I think I just just getting exhausted mentally exhausted creatively exhausted emotionally exhausted it's just an exhausting business sometimes it's the same thing with different people every day This person got arrested with drugs. Okay. Is it Lil Wayne or is it NBA Young Boy? Is it Lil Baby? Who is he? Which one? At some point, it becomes a little repetitive and it's a lot of work for repetition. So that part gets to you sometimes. And when it's up to you to know when to pull back and to pull yourself out of this and and take a break because you cannot be creative from an empty tank. So that's the hard part for me.
0: So on that note, do you have any hobbies or is there anything you do? Any stress relievers that you do?
1: My family has been on me about this. Like, yeah. they're like, what are we going to do? Or well, you work all the time, figure out something.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It used to be traveling, but yeah, what are we going to do? That's all it was for me. And of course, you know, brunch and dinner with friends. But again, can't even do that anymore. So no, <laughs> I just watch TV a lot. Like I love TV. So that's yeah. my escape. But it also is kind of my business, too, because if I see something on TV, (laughs) I have to kind of talk about it, too. I'm watching Real Housewives reunion, like this crazy reunion that just happened on Sunday in Potomac. That's what I love. I've been watching Real Housewives. It just started 15 years ago. But I now have to talk about it the next day. So it becomes work. Okay. So I don't know anymore. I don't know. I did just get a Nintendo Switch.
0: All right. There's something right there. <laughs>
1: I now Joining the video game world.
0: Yep. That's so, about it. So yeah, that's good. Nintendo Switch, walks, yoga, anything. It, yeah. Get your mind off of.
1: Yeah. Work. <laughs> I started doing mindful meditation oh. and my impatient self, I was like, you know, I loved it, but I didn't even, I think that's one of those things you don't know it works until you stop doing it. Mm. Because now that I don't really do it anymore, I see that I'm just all over the place. So I might get back into that.
0: Oh, good. Good. All right. Now, do you have any memorable moment that stick out in your career?
1: Oh, in career? What's funny is I brought in a branding expert and she was doing my sales and pitching me for deals and stuff like that. And we had to revamp our media kit and basically do an audit of every milestone over the last 15 years, I have forgotten about everything. And another trait of an entrepreneur, you don't focus on, you know, you don't kind of, you don't pat yourself on the back. You're just like, okay, next, next, next. And you forget so much. So we actually just did that a few months ago. So, and there was just so many things that we talked about and we put together and I'm like, oh my God, I forgot about all this. And you Feel like you're a failure you feel like you're not doing enough and then you see it all on paper and it's like wow I okay i did that i see now so anyway probably being invited to the white house twice with the obamas was i mean really amazing and them knowing my platforms them specifically requesting us to come to the white house I don't think people know this, but President Obama was the first president to create a black media liaison alliance group, the first one. So with the White House, typically, since the beginning of time, they have their own set of media people. You see them in the press room when you're watching CNN and all that. Those are the same people that have been in that position, a White House correspondent, the same people, same position, same outlets Mm -hmm. for years. Like since we've had a present in a press room and it's usually what cnn cnbc nbc abc cbs like all the normal just and a few other independent people thrown in here and there very i think essence was the first black organization to come in and one other the african-american media something it's like a radio state. i don't even know how they got in there but the only one when Obama came into office, they were finally credentialed as a permanent press in the press pool that controls what type of information black people get. If we never hear what the White House is doing because we're not on CNN or CNBC every day or C-SPAN or whatever all these organizations are there in the press pool, we're not looking at that every day.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So Barack Obama decided to form an alliance specifically for black media. And he assigned us a liaison from his executive branch that would feed us the same information that would give us, they get press pool reports, all this stuff that I never knew these people were getting. I'm like, wait, we get the speeches before he gives them. We were getting like every little thing that. ABC and all of them got, we were getting. And he said he wanted to do that because he noticed the imbalance. Yep. You know, he's like, why don't black people know about X, Y, and Z when we're doing stuff? Well, it helped him because he's working his ass off and doing all these things. But if no one knows he's doing it, yep especially the people he's doing it for, then why does it matter? So he created that alliance and we were one of, I think it was 20 of us. We were one of 20 that he handpicked to be there. So we got to go to the White House, have a sit down with Valerie Jarrett and our actual liaison. I forgot his name. And then, you know, later on, we spent the whole day at the White House. And then at the end, he came in from the secret trap door <laughs> and we lost our <laughs> Like it was crazy. But his whole entire eight years, we were on the official press pool listserv we knew everywhere he was going everywhere michelle obama was going i was invited to several michelle obama's outings you know i got to be in her press pool twice when she was surprising howard students one time and another time when she was doing something else those are things that independent black bloggers like me that just started this because i wanted to talk about black hollywood what What so, just getting that validation when most people up until this point just kind of tossed us to the side or like whatever, it's just a blogger, they made a point to say, No, this is important. Look at the look at who they're reaching, look at their reach that matters. So, let's bring them in and cater to that. I will be forever grateful. Like, I can never say to myself, What I do doesn't matter. If the Obamas know what the hell I'm doing, I'm doing something right." right. And I appreciate that. And I love that their whole staff was all well aware about who we are. I'm sure they hit them to it, but that's something I will never forget. Oh, um, gosh, yeah. And my Facebook profile cover is still our picture with the Obamas at the Christmas party. Mm. And being on the cover of Black Enterprise was probably another, another moment where I'm like, wow, a magazine I grew up reading knows who I am. That's crazy. And doing national TV, like the real and, yeah. and things like that. Things that I always said I wanted to do in passing and actually being able to do it. And yeah, being able to connect with our readers really is something I love to do every day. Great.
0: Now talking about connecting with your readers, any breaking stories that you did that that stand out? I know you mentioned the uh, Alicia Keys and Swiss Beats, anything <laughs> else? <laughs> any others? I'm
1: so bad about that. No, I don't, whatever. <laughs> um, breaking stories. There were a lot back in the day. Our readers are really big on cheating stories. When we try to look at our analytics, I don't know what it is. They like cheating, (laughs) messy breakups. Like those things do numbers. So probably any big breakups that happen, like the Keisha Knight Pulliam breakup with, what's his name? Ed Hartwell, I think. That was a big deal because it was really messy and we broke the story that with the with the documentation and all that we always call pregnancies before everybody else every time so i don't know like real gossipy stuff is what we tend to break mm-hmm. we see the newsy things but we don't feel like it's our place <laughs> to be breaking newsy type stories so we stick to the gossipy ones and we do our little vegetables of newsy nuggets every now and then
0: yeah yeah all right natasha we're at the end of this interview I want to head over to our quick hitter session where I'll be asking you questions for fun for people to get to know you a little bit better. Okay. Before we do that, though, just want to see if there's anything additional that you would like to talk about or anything you might have felt like I left off asking you.
1: Not that I can think of today. I'm (laughs) sure that might change. (laughs) Oh, if you go to the YBF.com slash masterclass, we are now taking signups for information about a masterclass that I'm gonna be hosting soon to get into true detail about how to do this job, how to be an entrepreneur, how to actually f- pivot and make your business work for you. Um, I spoke at Afrotech, another highlight of my career. I want to do this for for ever since they started Afrotech, and I actually was asked to do it this year in their amazing virtual conference. I announced it at Afrotech and got so much good feedback. And that's something that's going to be a really big thing for me. It's another pivot for me moving into the teaching and instructive space instead of just the day-to-day. So that's exciting.
0: That is exciting. Okay, great. So the YBF.com backslash masterclass. Yep. Great. All right. So let's go to the uh, quick hitter questions. Okay. First question. What's your favorite sports team?
1: oh i'm not a sports girl unless there is somebody gossipy on the team that like just got arrested or just started dating somebody okay but i'm gonna say the saints going from new orleans
0: okay that works favorite movie or show
1: movie i always say the notebook i'm a hopeless romantic um and also best man oh yeah and show, I cannot pick a favorite show. I I can talk to you about shows all day, every day. <laughs> My DVR is ridiculous.
0: Uh, favorite musical artist or group?
1: Beyonce and Beyonce. <laughs> and Destiny.
0: <laughs> all right, that works too. Favorite vacation spot.
1: Well, let me say this. Mm-hmm. Beyonce overall, period point blank, whatever. But if we have to go with someone like new on the cusp, like okay. that people should really be like paying attention to, I would say Snow Allegra. Okay.
0: All right. Favorite vacation spot?
1: Maui. It's my it's my everything. That's the only place that I immediately feel calm. The only oh. place in this world. Besides with my mom.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. And favorite food or drink?
1: Um, obsessed with Italian food. So anything Italian. My lawn sister used to make me lasagna for my birthday when she was my roommate. And that's amazing. (laughs) My lawn sister that you know, actually. And so, yeah, anything Italian. And drink. I'm a gin and tonic girl. So that.
0: Gin and tonic. All right. Well, Natasha, this has been great. This has been really good talking to you. I'm just impressed with all that you've done and all that you're doing. And I want to check out this masterclass because I'm just so impressed with everything that you've done (laughs) as an entrepreneur. And thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. Can you tell? Yeah, no, no problem at all. No problem. And can you tell people how they can reach out to you if they have any comments? Yeah,
1: obviously the YBF.com is our main platform, our website, the website that we took from that's my grandmother and my three roommates at the time reading it to millions of hits a month. That's always been my pride and joy, no matter what we're on Instagram. Of course, we're at the YBF underscore daily. We're on Twitter at the YBF. We're on TikTok at the YBF daily and yeah, any platform we're like, we're there. (laughs) And um, yeah, you can hit us up on the, on the site. We have a tips thing. So click tips in order to reach us as well as on Instagram. You could DM us or, or email us on the email link.
0: Okay. Well, thanks a lot. It's been
1: great. Thanks. I hope that all made sense. I just be talking.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It definitely did. It definitely did. Well, have a good one.
1: Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yep. Thank you for coming okay. on.
1: Thank Bye. you. Bye.
0: Thank you, everyone. If you have any comments or questions or would like to be in the podcast, please reach out to me on Instagram at Rodolfo Cooper. Thank you. Bye.